Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Mel. I'm Helen. And I'm Janet. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that we've gotten a couple of requests on, and it is about imposter syndrome. So what exactly is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is a state of insecurity and self-doubt about one's ability and or achievements, believing that they are due to luck or having successfully deceived others into thinking they are smarter or more capable than they really are. It tends to be prevalent, especially among women, and it's a fear that you are a fraud. Oof. And I think this is actually a topic that I'm surprised we haven't addressed yet. Mm -hmm. It's like, what, three seasons in now? Yeah. It's the fourth season now. (laughs) But whether it's because we're women or maybe Asian American women, I know we all feel that both personally and professionally, we sometimes feel held back by this crippling thought that, you know, sometimes we feel stupid or we feel anxious or we feel vulgar that we have speech impediments or our no. <laughs> or our vocabulary isn't expansive enough that we're not worldly enough whatever it is we leave the possibility of success to other people and i think especially as asian american women we don't see ourselves in enough people around us that do get praised and are given accolades sometimes it's like easier to not even try mm-hmm. yeah or it's too easy to think that you're just not good enough or that you don't belong with the people that you define as successful and i think it's also important to point out that it's not a disease or an abnormality and it's not necessarily tied to depression either there are studies that say that about 70 to 75 percent of people face this with even a higher percentage amongst women so a lot of us do go through this and for sure us three do mm-hmm So I guess for you ladies, what are some examples of having gone through imposter syndrome or wherever you are right now that you don't feel like you deserve that? Man, I feel like I could talk about so many different aspects of my life, but I think the one thing that comes to thought is work. I feel all of us feel that mostly at our jobs. For me currently, I think I feel like that at my job. Mel just started a a new job recently, right? Yeah, I definitely got a title change that's much higher than I'm used to. So... 
I am working for a media company now, and now my title includes the word head. Head of something. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, that sounds, yeah. But, <laughs> don't Dirty. Do just kidding. <laughs> Girl. No. But um, I think just having somewhere, like a title, like director or head or like a manager role, you feel like you're given so much more responsibility, which you are, but you feel like you have so much pressure to deliver on that title now. And I think for me, it's kind of intimidating to wear a title or a role like that because you feel like people are relying on you, right? And so the ladies and I were talking and there's an article put out by The Muse talks about the different types of imposter syndromes, right? The imposter syndrome can be broken down in kind of like five different categories, right? The first one is the perfectionist. The second one is the superwoman. The third is the natural genius. The fourth is the soloist. And the fifth is the expert. I'll probably share the article with you guys if you guys want to read. I follow the expert type. And so the expert type in the article explains that experts measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. Believing they will never know enough, they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that since right now I'm working for a media company that is kind of more like a startup. So I feel like my department or my role hasn't really been established previously until I stepped in. And so stepping in in this role of head of something, I feel like I'm really just trying to build out my own department and really figure out what I'm doing. I think with that is really intimidating because usually in your previous jobs, you're like, okay, you go into a role, your manager or your training director or whatever will be like, this is what you need to do and how you get there. But walking into this role, the CEO is like, all right, Mal, this is your thing. This is what we want. Big picture. How are you going to do this? So I'm pretty much setting the foreground and the processes for my department. And I feel like I'm not knowledgeable enough in this because no one has done this before. So I'm literally ordering so many books and like trying to read as much as I can and talking to the CEO and talking to other heads. And I feel like even though I'm gaining more knowledge, it's not enough. I don't feel like I'm a pro yet at my job. And then granted, it's only been like two months, but I feel like I have to be there already because I wear this title. And then I think that's something I struggle with at work is like, oh my God, I need to read more. I need to keep reading more articles, talk to more people. But I feel like even though I keep doing that, I don't feel complete. But I think that's also because your media company is somewhat of a startup company still, right? So everyone who has a role in that company is going to have these like larger titles than maybe you would if you were to start in like a bigger media company. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that's incredibly difficult because no one before you has created that path for you. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have like this world of just like doing whatever the fuck you want. And as long as you can turn around as the social media head. Mm -hmm. So I feel like setting targets for yourself. I know you're doing this and you're also apparently killing it at your job right now, right? Because you've grown the following yeah, I mean, pretty well. Yeah, but I think for me, it's like that part is like, so actually my role is two different positions. There's one is social media driven and one is more like audience and community building. And I feel mm-hmm. like social media, it feels really natural to me and I feel like I am accomplishing it. I feel like I'm, I still feel like I'm not there yet though. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so maybe because I personally, I see people like my manager, my previous role has been in social media for eight years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe I need to put more time so I could feel like I'm more deserving of this role versus like, Mm. I don't, you know yeah, yeah. So you attribute to like mastery or yeah. greater expertise. Like you look at that as this a signifier of like earning the title. Yeah, totally. So I think for me, that's what I struggle with in, in terms of like imposter syndrome at work. But how about you guys? I know you guys both probably, you know, Janice are a new job. Do you feel like with your new job, you feel imposter syndrome or your previous roles? I think, well, I've changed careers like three or four times. So I can speak to feeling like you're a fraud because every time I've started something new, there's a little bit of the like the fake it till you make it mentality, right? And yeah. especially because a lot of the roles I go into, I'm not coming in as like entry level mm-hmm. because I have some work experience, just not at the level of like in that thing. Mm-hmm. At the start of almost every job, it takes me a couple months where I battle internally with like 
low Mm self-confidence or like you're mm -hmm. questioning and you become oversensitive like did I do that right or like you know I shouldn't be here and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so I think that's actually really commendable because I mean I've been at my job for like almost nine years now Mm -hmm. and I always do think to myself like if I were to quit like oh my god I have to go into another job into a new team Mm -hmm. doing everything completely differently and literally would have this like crippling feeling of that I'm not doing enough so the fact that you've been able to jump from job to job to job and almost like normalize (laughs) this do you feel like over a certain amount of time now having done this so many times you've been able to like normalize that feeling of imposter syndrome yeah i feel like i just give less fucks now (laughs) that probably i think some of that comes with age too and it's it comes from changing a couple of times and Mm -hmm. learning that like hey you didn't get fired like you're okay i would say that sometimes i suffer from the opposite where it because you feel like a fraud you overcompensate Mm -hmm. and then you come off as like too strong maybe people might receive like whoa like you are brand new and you shouldn't be expected to do that much so you shouldn't be at a place where you think you're doing more if that makes i don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i was gonna say like i don't know if you guys relate to this but i kind of always feel like i'm an intern even though i'm like Mm -hmm. a full-time employee i think maybe for me like being an intern seems so fresh in my mind and the task i did was like oh like i do menial tasks and do like kind of like busy tasks Mm -hmm. but my previous job was a lot of busy tasks so i feel like whenever i have an intern under me i'm like what no 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 like that's not I have an intern like I still feel like that but even looking back when I was an intern my managers were 27 28 like my age Mm. but I feel like I'm not even deserving of an intern sometimes because I feel like one myself yeah oh that it ties back to your the expert oh probably Um, those that have a sense of mastery or have done something for a long time that what is what kind of like makes you deserving of the title Mm -hmm. of the different types one of the other subtypes of imposter syndrome is the soloist and it's the belief that like it's kind of like feeling like you need to have done things yourself or you feel you don't feel right about asking for help and I think that if I relate and think back to my working experience that mm-hmm. that does come up quite a bit because if I have jumped to a thing and it's kind of newish, mm-hmm. I constantly feel like I need to be proving myself. Mm-hmm. So if I'm given a project or if I'm given a task or if I'm working with a team even, it needs to be clear that I've c- contributed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm very aware of like not just skating by without contributing something more like measurable or legitimate. Dang. Yeah. How about you, Helen? What's yeah. of these? So my example goes back to actually college when I was interviewing for my first job. Mm-hmm. So I was part of the Carroll School of Management at Boston College. So finance, there is like one month or two months where you interview with like all of the big corporations Mm -hmm. for a good finance job. And I had signed up for big four accounting Mm -hmm. and I was a double major in finance and marketing. So I had no idea what I was signing up for because I was literally just like, that's a name, that's a name, that's a name, put my name down, right? (laughs) (laughs) Until someone at the career center said to me like, oh, you're going for accounting, but you're not accounting background. So you should be going for like some finance related job instead. So instead she said, okay, at this company, there's another position within their valuation team. So maybe go for that instead. And I was like, the fuck is that yeah okay yeah <laughs> so that interview was like a week from the the point when i switched it to valuation instead i went out and bought this book and i'll never forget this it's called the vault guide to finance mm-hmm. oh the it, vault i yeah. have their guides too <laughs> it's like a freaking spark notes <laughs> yeah. for like a whole topic yeah, right? yeah wow read that book back to back it was like maybe like 80 pages pretty short and literally the day of the interview so that was during that week i just studied that one book and like aced that interview but only because i read that book otherwise Mm. i would not have gotten that job Mm. and so then when i went in for a super day interview at the actual company i didn't know anything beyond that book the same question that was asked me on campus interview was the same question that was asked me at the company Mm -hmm. so that's like the only reason why i got my job 
because I knew that like one thing I was walking through a discounted cash flow analysis from like top Mm -hmm. to bottom, like revenue, COGS, OPEX, et cetera. So if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't have gotten my job. And so if you can imagine like my day one of starting that job, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm like getting myself Uh, into at all. Cause I was like, I don't, I took valuation like very briefly within corporate finance, but that's really it. Mm -hmm. So I think my first year I was definitely falling under like the perfectionist where I felt like everything had to be at the highest quality or else someone would call me out and say, hey, you're not actually fit for this job. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to get fired. That's interesting because I actually feel like a lot of people could probably relate to that story for if you're coming into your first job because you really don't know anything in any, but it's hard until after the fact. Now, if you look back, you're like, if I was starting that job with other people, most people probably didn't really study valuation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you probably knew just as much, if not more than a lot of your peers. But for you, because it was that same interview question, you kind of had this inner dialogue that was like, I don't deserve to be here. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the reasons why imposter syndrome does happen is because when you look at your peers, you think that everyone puts up a front, right, of this like very polished outer surface. Mm -hmm. But I think because we don't talk about what's going on in our own heads, all of the anxiety and all of Mm -hmm. the difficulties of whatever we have to accomplish, Mm -hmm. then we just feel like our peers are doing everything perfectly. And so we feel like we have imposter syndrome that we we shouldn't be deserving of where we are. Yeah, because with your coworkers, probably that culture, it wasn't common to talk openly, right? To be like, Mm -hmm. hey, do you know how to do this? Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. 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 There's so much Googling. Yeah. Google is my best friend. Google and just asking. I think that's why they also give you peer advisors. So you can Mm. ask someone at your same level or like one level right above you all your stupid questions. Yeah. Because otherwise you just feel like you can't ask anyone. You feel very alone. But yeah, that's my imposter syndrome. For work. Story. Yeah, for work. I think one thing that helps me with my imposter syndrome with my current job is like the heads of the other, my company and the CEO is very like, Mel, like we believe in you and there's potential, like all this stuff. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, they see this in me and they're like, we know you're not going to get it like overnight. And I think they're very encouraging of it. And the, mm-hmm. they're encouraging the fact that this is not something you'll get like tomorrow. You have yeah, to, yeah. it's going to be a process and that's okay. And I do think that like, I could understand why Janice, you're more familiar with the transition process now when mm-hmm. you transition to Jaws, because like, even when I, my last company, why I got promoted to like a content producer, that change just kind of fucked me up. Cause like any change freaks me out. Cause then I feel like intense imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but knowing how I went through that and like realizing that, Hey, after a year later, I'm okay. Like right, I, right. I'm more confident in my role. So stepping to this role, even though some things are new to me and foreign and I feel kind of like pressure, mm-hmm. I know like a year from now, I feel completely different. Yeah. And I'm actually like, it's good to look forward to that moment. But for now, I definitely feel like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. But But that's actually in my current new job as well, Mel, like you were mentioning, having your coworkers openly like acknowledge and Mm -hmm. tell you it's okay. That's been really helpful for me too. Because I've had Mm -hmm. a number of people coming up to me and being like, don't worry, when I started, like it takes a little bit of time to kind of like ramp up. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like being in a culture like that where the communication is open is so helpful. Oh, yeah. This kind of relates to management style, like, Mm -hmm. or like what you, what works for you. Because In my last role, I felt like I really connected with my VP of marketing when she will tell me like, Mel, like I believe in you, all these things. And you felt it was really genuine and stuff versus like, I think at the time, me and my other manager, she was really encouraging, but she'll say things like, don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see you sweat. Mm, I'm just like, but I'm sweating though. Like (laughs) like I'm freaking out, I'm nervous. And I feel like I couldn't really open up in that way. But then with my VP, I could. And I mm. felt like having that vulnerability with her yeah. allowed me to gain more confidence in my job because I believed in myself after yeah. that too. 
there's definitely something about like bigger corporations or the type of company that I work at where it's like, if you can't figure it out yourself, if you rely on other people to reach out and help you, yeah. then you're not going to be able to make it to the mm-hmm. top. You have to like mm-hmm. very independently go out there and ask questions, ask so many questions and figure out how to get there kind of yourself, which is tough because it's like, then it's a very closed door sort of a policy, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that is changing now though, as I think more like mental health is sort mm-hmm, of at the mm-hmm. forefront and understanding stress levels a little bit more. That is becoming more important at work. But I would say that when I first started off, it was like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm, no yeah. one knows and you just have to get by. Do you think that, I don't want to make this an issue of like gender, but do you think it's like associated with an industry that's a little bit more like male dominant? Yeah, no. I, and I think that's also, I mean, we always say representation matters, yeah. but literally if you don't see someone else that is similar to you in terms of personality or even like age or skin color or whatever it is at the top, you don't feel like you deserve Deserve to be be there, there. Mm -hmm. right? If no one else can make it, I for sure can't. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you have that like sudden doubt in yourself or lack of confidence, then you're not going to like speak up. You kind of like, or at least this is what I did. I would just like be quiet and just like Google Mm -hmm. things and be like, how do I figure this out? Yeah. You know, so you're kind of like struggling in silence. Jen, you brought up like, you know, maybe it's something with gender related Mm -hmm. to why we feel, why women feel a sense of like maybe a stronger sense of imposter syndrome or a certain type, right? Mm -hmm. But I think culturally also is a connection to why, you know, we as Asian American women feel imposter syndrome because growing up, I mean, all of us felt a hell of pressure from our parents to be perfect right i think we were placed in tutoring classes after school to make sure we get an a plus or you know like classes to learn an instrument right so i feel like it was brought onto us at a young age yeah and even if it wasn't because like i would say i would describe my parents and the way they raised me as not like traditional Mm -hmm. like outright putting on pressure Mm -hmm. but i do think it's baked in the culture to kind of be critical of your children for their benefit, right? So it's like saying things that might come off in rude, maybe mm-hmm. in other cultures, but the negative reinforcement. Yes, neg- exactly. Like yeah. pointing something out that you might find hurtful or insulting, but it's like, I want you to know so that it's something you can improve on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking about like reading articles about in the imposter syndrome where, oh, was it Helen that you said that like people who are raised in situations where maybe you're critiqued or well, uh, so it was like a ted talks about mm-hmm. imposter syndrome and it was a white lady mm-hmm. and so she was saying that a lot of imposter syndrome comes from maybe households that had domestic violence or had alcoholism or whatever that might have been where the parents will criticize the kids and make them feel like they're not enough mm-hmm. honestly i heard that and i was like dude this is like asian household <laughs> we're not enough like that's all you need you don't need alcoholism you don't need like abuse yeah, <laughs> you just need yeah, asian yeah. parents yeah and it's like we know like culturally that it comes from a place of wanting for you to improve, but it still does not change the fact that potentially like that plays into your psyche as you get older, right? Exactly. It's not like our parents love us any less. It is just literally how they show love to us to try and help us improve. You know, I wonder if this is also tied because I think growing up, in an Asian American household, we don't like celebrate success. It's, yeah, it's that's kind, a really it's good kind point. of more yeah. like you're supposed to get that. Yeah. yeah. Like and for, it's on to the, like, focus on the next thing then. How exactly. can you do better? Yeah. Like, my, honestly, like, my parents, like, my mom is pretty Americanized in a sense, but I remember this distinctly because I was, we're at a meeting here and mm-hmm. I was on the way to ABG meeting and I was like, because we're selling merch now and we're trying to make some, like, money to, like, pay our editor and, mm-hmm. and like, other miscellaneous things. And I was like, mom, oh, my gosh, I, we're making money now or just a little bit. And I was, like, really excited because we're not – we weren't making anything for the longest <laughs> time. We're not making a lot, by the way. But I thought it was a small win for us. And I was telling my mom this. And she was like, you're not counting the taxes and all these other things. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, just wanted to share that, you know. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're taking a step forward for ABG. 
that was the first thing she said to me. You're not accounting for all the expenses you're using, you're spending on. Yeah. I and like, that, I think from her, like, culturally, that comes from a place of, like, okay, so you've done that. I don't need to help you accomplish that. You've already accomplished that. Yeah. How do you accomplish more? Oh, make sure that yeah. you're accounting for the, mm-hmm. you know, that you're covering yourself yeah. in other aspects. Even with my new job, too, she was like, oh, you're not making that much more money. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what the? She's like, you're not counting for all these other expenses. I'm like, oh my God, mom. Like, <laughs> let me have a win. Leave me alone. <laughs> let, me, let me have a win. Let me know? live, bro. <laughs> no, seriously. But I think that's what it is. Like, we don't celebrate the wins. Yeah. It's expected. It's almost like, well, yeah, you work so hard. You should get here. So exactly. what are you so proud of? Like, no, exactly. move on to the next thing. And actually, Mel, that you're bringing up being tied to kind of culturally how we are raised to be doing multiple things, right? Academics mm-hmm. and then also, you know clubs or like activities and things like that, that kind of ties into one of the other categories of imposter syndrome, which is being the superwoman. Mm. So believing that you're convinced that you're a phony amongst the real deal colleagues if you're not pushing yourself to work harder and doing everything or doing more. But yeah, believing that the number of activities or the number of accomplishments is what it ties to your personal value, mm-hmm. right? That you have to do everything. I feel like I do feel that way. I feel like sometimes at work, it's like I will try my hardest to do something, but I'm only meeting up to par of everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing more by Mm -hmm. staying later and doing extra work, but I'm just trying to stay afloat and survive. Even though maybe in other people's eyes, they're like, oh, this is like much better quality of work. And Mm -hmm. actually this is something I see at work a lot. Maybe amongst women, we don't ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think there are times when maybe throughout like a three month project, maybe you messed up one small part of it, but then you remember that moment as like, this is my contribution Mm -hmm. to the project. And I failed at that Mm -hmm. one aspect. So I don't even want to hear about the feedback because I know it's going to be bad. Yeah. And so I I don't think a lot of women ask for feedback, but if they were to hear the feedback, they would hear the 95% of the things that they did really, really well. And that Mm -hmm. might help them push to the next level, feel encouraged and confident that they're meant to be there. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of the perfectionist thing happening there as well, right? Mm -hmm. Believing that you're doing one small mistake is invalidates your contribution or your value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually wonder, like going off a different topic besides work is that I wonder if a lot of people who are aspiring to pursue a passion are afraid to take that leap because they feel like they're not good enough to do it. Or there's someone else out there doing something better. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that the three of us kind of talked behind the curtains for even doing this podcast, right? Mm, We struggled a lot with feeling like feeling imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. like we would be frauds if we kind of put an Asian American voice out there and to be the representatives of, or to be a representative in that space. I remember too, like this moment, there was a year we're about to launch and we were still recording. We're like literally like doing the website. And I think we were getting pep talks from like our friends and like encouragement. But like I texted you guys, I'm like, I really feel like I'm not worthy of this. Mm. Or I feel like, I feel a lot of pressure to represent like a bunch of Asian American women when literally like I'm this is just my story this is how I go about life because I do think once you put yourself in the public to like people listen to you and relate to you you're like you have a kind of like a responsibility responsibility now to like kind of like do justice to all these women but I'm like shit like am I good enough for this because I don't know I would say that if we had decided that where we are now is where we wanted to be from the beginning, that would instill way too much fear in us to even start it. Yeah. Right? The fact that we sort of started in a special way where we're like, oh, yeah, let's just grab some mics and talk drunkenly and (laughs) see what happens. That natural progression has helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. And that does kind of... um, play into the fact that yes we definitely have imposter syndrome and we wouldn't be here if it didn't start off a little bit more naturally yeah i think sometimes like i don't want to say like i read the our reviews i read our comments here and there there's an expectation from people now with us like oh you should guys should be covering this topic i should be covering this you guys should invite this person or like mm-hmm. you guys don't talk about this enough and i'm just like shit like are we not doing enough 
but at the same time knowing that i know our bandwidth like i know how hard you guys are working throughout the week and like trying to kill out your own jobs i feel like i'm struggling with like i want to do all these things because they want us to do that do i really want to do this but i'm also trying to balance work so i feel like a sense of imposter syndrome because i don't know if i'm doing enough for abg right i would also see it as an opportunity to encourage like anyone who is writing to us and not hearing their stories like we would love for you to go out there and put out your stories, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it should be an encouragement for more different types of perspectives and content. Because, yeah, we can't be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. I agree. I know we've had some listeners who come up to us at meetups and stuff and say, you guys are inspiring me to do side projects or things like that. To know that if you are feeling senses of like imposter syndrome, if you feel like a fraud at times, like you're not good enough, like you're not worthy, that that's normal. That shouldn't stop you from pursuing something that you want to do. And I think if anything, hopefully this episode will help you see how much of imposter syndrome we, us three, feel yes. throughout our day-to-day lives, yeah. throughout work, throughout this podcast, whatever it is. It is, I think the more that you just talk about it, the more you try to normalize that this is okay. Like It's, it's people, normal to feel that way. Exactly. In their heads, they have a lot of anxiety. They tell themselves that they're stupid and as much as we shouldn't, like mm-hmm. we do do that and yeah. that's okay. This episode is sponsored by Audible. Being a working woman on the go, finding enjoyment and time in your day can be difficult. With Audible, we are able to get things done while losing ourselves to a story. One of the best audiobooks I've consumed this past year was through Audible. This is a book I mentioned in episode number 35, and that is Becoming. It is written and narrated by our former first lady, Michelle Obama. So there's something very engaging and empowering when you feel like she's whispering into your ear. I've enjoyed a couple audiobooks by Brene Brown, who explores topics such as courage, vulnerability, and empathy. I spend almost two hours every day in a car, driving to and from work in LA traffic. Listening to audiobooks makes my time in the car more bearable and sometimes even enjoyable. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash lowercase abg or text abg to 500-500. That's audible.com slash abg or text abg to 500-500. All right, so another topic that I think a lot of us deal with our day-to-day is our dating life or our relationships. And so I'm not 100% sure if this falls under imposter syndrome, but like, I think for me, like my tendency is that I, I want to say I have like a, some confidence in myself. I'm pretty confident who I am. With that, I do have high standards from some of the men I chase or like the men I'm interested in. And when I get with these guys, sometimes I do feel like I put these guys on a pedestal. I feel like, oh my God, they're more accomplished than me or they're so much hotter than I am. And the moments in the beginning... When they want to date me, I'm like, really? You want to you want to date me? You know, oh my gosh. The last two guys I've dated, I always felt they were hotter than me. And maybe at the time, I felt like I put physical appearance on a, like a high pedestal for me, you know? Yeah. But even one of the guys I dated, he literally like on campus, he was called like the god. Which is so fucking weird to think about Wow, now. people called him a god? Like, <laughs> we were young by then, like... All the guys looked up to him because he was mm. like not only really sweet, he was like smart and he was fit and like good looking, all these things that I think other people admire. And so when he chose to date me, I was like, what? Like, really? He was like, oh, Mel, you have like the perfect personality. And like, so in my head, I was like thinking, great, like my personality is what you're chasing, not my looks. Mm-hmm. I think in that moment, I felt like, why are you dating me? Kind of like, oh, I'm not 
as attractive as these other women. I felt kind of like not worthy mm. to some degree. It's a thing I battle because I do feel confident going into it. I yeah. know like my personality is great and that's why you like me. But then I get scared going into the relationship because I feel like your rose colored glasses will come off and you'll realize I'm not who you think I am. Mm. And that's something I struggled with my last relationship too. And so I think when those walls come crashing down and those rose colored glasses come off and they tell me, I don't want to be with you anymore. I feel like my confidence gets shook because it's like I'm proving my imposter syndrome right. Mm. You weren't worthy for this person. You didn't like me for who you thought I was. So I feel like I'm kind of like I juggle or I battle that a lot in terms of dating and relationships. Mm. Because, like, another thing someone said to me recently was, you guys know that, like, I am picky with the guys that I choose to date or want to be with. I think it's because I want to say I value myself in a sense that I'm accomplishing all these things. But someone said to me, like, Mel, you could be a little bit more, like, lenient or, like, you could swipe more on guys. I'm just like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, Maybe that's also a reflection of him, right? Maybe he's like, oh, these girls are not swiping on me. And he's probably like, Mel, as a female, swipe more on me, right? But then it makes me wonder, like, am I valuing myself too high? Yeah. to be with someone else like someone or that they think that you're valuing yourself too high Hi, exactly yeah, yeah. so then i then i'm like is this imposter syndrome just like personally then you know so i don't know if that can i mean be i think like, that's just yeah. a shitty comment yeah <laughs> i don't think he meant it in that way because i think he's more like you got to be more open-minded yeah, yeah. to love which is funny because that was my like resolution for 2019 yeah but then you can also spin it like well are you thinking that i'm do- my standards too fucking high yeah, or like yeah, what's going yeah. on no i definitely relate to that and i have friends that you know i know that they come from a good place but yeah. sometimes when people are or even people i don't really know will say yeah you're like too picky or maybe you should you know open up your options and that kind of thing mm-hmm. i'm like i don't really know how to take that yeah because because I sometimes I struggle with feeling the right amount of confidence, right? Mm. Because you don't want to devalue yourself, exactly. but then you also don't mm. want to like overinflate your self worth or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think we're just like figuring it out right now because we're like, I don't know, yeah. you know. And I, feel I like- guess I think it's more just also for the girls out there who are single and that you have this battle, like that that's a normal thing, right? Yeah. I have that guy. Just kidding. <laughs> Well, Helen, so my question for you, so being someone in a relationship, like we all know who your boyfriend is, we're friends with him. He's highly recognized in our community and he's doing great things. How do you feel dating someone that everyone kind of knows for, you know, like having this reputation? Are you implying that I'm less? No, <laughs> hell no, I'm, I'm not. No, no, I, I see what you're saying. No, I, I know what you're saying. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to put Mess you in a, around. Yeah. <laughs> put some hot water over here. No, I mean, I knew when I started dating him what I was getting myself into because obviously he has a little bit more, a lot of bit more reach than I did, mm-hmm. right? He's a public personality. I just work in finance. I sit behind a desk. Mm-hmm. So of course there was a feeling of like, okay, if I am going to date this guy, I know that I can't, see him in a way where it's more like he's a celebrity yeah like if he's gonna date me or if i'm gonna date him it has to be on just a very human level Mm -hmm. of do we get along and what do we laugh over and how do we work over like arguments and what can we relate on Mm -hmm. and so for that that has always been my premise for our relationship since day one Mm -hmm. where if i looked at him on a pedestal we wouldn't i know we would never work Mm -hmm. so i i would say that the beginning of our relationship was maybe a little bit more contentious because i did have to like fight for certain stances a little bit more to gain respect yeah you know what it is? It's not like you're trying to gain his respect. It's more like going into this relationship from a public or just from an outside perspective, you guys are technically not on equal playing fields because someone who is more recognized publicly versus someone who isn't, mm-hmm. it's not really, the balance beam isn't fair to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But of course, knowing you, we know you're killing your career. So people who know you're like, no, they're, they're evenly matched. You have no idea. But I think from outsiders who don't know you because they don't know who yeah. you are. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, who's this did, girl? Yeah, like did you ever feel externally judged by other people? 
Um, actually, surprising that not so much. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be a bigger factor, mm-hmm. but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. At least I never maybe took that to heart because maybe I kind of expected it when mm-hmm. I did read certain comments like that. But yeah, I think in my mind, I was just like, okay, if if this is to work, then there can't be an even footing between mm-hmm. us. And yeah, I think th- because of that now, it definitely has created like long-lasting staying power <laughs> within our relationship yeah. but yeah i could see i definitely expected that to be something that i would feel mm-hmm. that i had to make sure wasn't the case at the beginning of our relationship and i think that's uh, this also plays onto a different topic because like i think from social media people expect this to be like oh they're like this perfect social couple but in reality like knowing you guys like at a personal level i feel like you're such a strong woman killing your career that i feel like sometimes that gets overlooked a lot of our friends are entertainment and media i'm like do you know how empowering she is working in this industry mm-hmm. from in finance you know something <laughs> like for me, it's just like, I feel like I'm protective over that with you because it's just like, I don't want anyone to ever think of you that way. Because it's just like, just because I'm not working entertainment or doing other things doesn't mean she's any less. I mean, I think also like this podcast has helped. Well, it, and if anything, right, when you're in LA, you meet a lot of people in entertainment. Yeah. yeah. You bring up that you work in finance and they're just like, oh, like literally conversation dies. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this podcast has like helped that. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to think of myself as less yeah. for not being in the public eye, that would internally like for sure play into the relationship yes. as yeah, me being yeah. very just insecure about things and have, right. needing more sensitivity from him. Yeah. But then I think because I said right at the beginning, like I can foresee this being an issue, yeah. let's nip it in the bud and mm-hmm. let's figure this out now. Then that, yeah, that hasn't happened. But yeah, I could see why people would think so that. that. I mean, that's a great takeaway is like if you walk into a situation knowing it's set up where you could potentially experience imposter right. syndrome, mm-hmm. being aware of it means that you could like address it. Yeah. Right. Because it's so easy to just fall into that and just yeah. be like, all right, I'm just going to push life ahead and this is how it's supposed to be. And mm-hmm. then you fall into this trap. And yeah. So, Janet, what about you with dating? Have you ever felt like, you didn't yeah like this guy was so hot that you (laughs) that you. i feel uh, like i get knocked a lot from people thinking that i'm too picky that i think i'm like better than guys or something so it's the same thing as what mel Mel, yeah but you know what was given when when i've I've been doing a lot more like personal reflection Mm -hmm. and i think actually on a subconscious level it's because i feel lesser than i get a comment a lot that i have a wall up right and Mm -hmm. i think i put that wall up because especially if i like you because then I'm afraid you're going to hurt me because then I'm afraid you're not mm-hmm. going to like me back. Mm-hmm. And this, and I'm still not totally aware, like I'm still working through this. Is that really how I feel? But I think it comes from like when I was growing up in an area that was mostly like Caucasian people mm-hmm. and always just assuming like I never thought that people I liked would ever like me back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of it was like a personality thing. Like I was a shy and quiet person, but also mm-hmm. I didn't look like the hot girls, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was younger, I do remember like if someone had said something about wanting to ask me out I actually thought they were joking like that's how absurd I thought I'm like there's no way that you could like me and then I think in hindsight okay that probably feeds into a lot of getting older like of course you know like I've dated people and you have a better sense of like your personal self-value or worth or whatever it is but potentially a lot of it comes from a place of you don't look like the attractive people that you're around. Mm-hmm. I agree. We were talking before this and I feel like, I think in process of I, I struggle with also in a, like a friendship level in a sense that like, I can see how this relates to my romantic <laughs> problems or issues in terms of imposter syndrome it's just like i think growing up like you and to some degree i never felt really like physically beautiful mm-hmm. or attractive i never thought i was ugly growing up but i think the fact that i was surrounded like the popular girls were always the pretty ones like even growing up my friends now are like you two are gorgeous to me you know and like my close no, friends you're are gorgeous too 
Not just saying that. Yeah. Seriously. Another example of imposter syndrome. I can't take <laughs> compliments sometimes, but there mm-hmm. are times. Like I'm not gonna lie, there are times like everyone else when you put on your fucking four eyelashes, like I look fucking banging. You know, I, I do feel like that. <laughs> but for majority on an everyday level, I don't think I feel gorgeous every day. But that is normal. But I think it kind of plays into it's all that boy who made that comment about dating you for your personality. Yeah. Not your so I think for me, I had to overcompensate by not feeling pretty by like having this friendly, open personality. And I had to kill it at work because that was the only way I could make up for the fact that I wasn't as hot as these girls. I wasn't mm-hmm. like as fit or all these things. I mean, fit I could just work on, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I feel like I had to kill it at work and my personality to kind of make up for the lack of confidence I had in my looks. So even today, like, I am surrounded by gorgeous, accomplished women. I brag about my friends all the time because I care about them so much. I value them in terms of their looks and what they accomplish in hopes that that's a reflection of who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole cheerleader effect. Like, I'm, like, hoping that, like, oh, I'm part yeah, of the let's group. talk about the cheerleader yeah. effect. Osmosis. Yeah. Through <laughs> osmosis. But it's just, like, when you see, like, a group of them, you assume all of them are attractive, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Or you see a group of, like, say, women, and mm-hmm. they're all together. You get this image that all of them are hot until yeah. you start picking one each of them out individually. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So I think for me, it's, like, I sometimes I have this, like, deep fear. Like, let's say I'm in Vegas at a day club. And you see these group of, like, hot women. I'm like, yeah, I'm part of the group. I'm hot. But they look closely at me. I'm not one of the hot ones in their eyes. And it shouldn't even matter to me because, like, it should matter what I think about my, myself. But I don't know. I feel like I get pockets of feelings like this. And it goes back to my insecurity of, like, maybe I'm not hot enough. You know, mm. maybe I'm not, I don't know, attractive enough. Even though I do feel like I am sometimes. It's just weird because, like, I don't, I'm not saying that I feel ugly all the time. But I don't feel pretty all the time either mm-hmm. but i think that's actually quite normal, normal. Yeah. yeah to feel but i do see how it affects some of my friendships i do feel validation when i when someone calls me attractive you know mm. when i actually have my four eyelashes on and i do see why i surround myself with attractive smart women because i want to be that too yeah. well i brought up the example of the guy because i do think a lot of these types of ways of thinking come from like childhood experiences mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and so when we talk about like for my example of if i were culturally being around people that you look different from or mm. even in your friendship circle if everyone is a certain way and you're called out for being different in some way then it kind of plays into a lot of when you are older yeah what is like an insecurity or what makes you feel like you're an imposter or a fraud about yeah i mean that's true because looking back at my childhood i don't think i was ever really chased Boys didn't like me growing up, or except for the god. Yeah, that was college. That college hit, but I was in disbelief. Like, no way you can like yeah. me. But then I was like, yeah, personality. I have to bank on this. Yeah, that's why I do find it weird now. Where I do feel like I'm growing into my skin as yeah. I age, which I'm really happy about. But it still feels a little odd to me when someone's like, you're attractive. Actually, you did mention like the inability to take a compliment. Yeah. So that's like a signal of imposter syndrome, or like I think it's, it's a type a- of. Right, like, or that's you feel like, like you a reaction. It's a reaction because yeah. yeah. you don't believe that you're attractive enough. Yeah. Is this? Do you feel like this is pretty common in Asian women? Like, in you're not oh, supposed yeah. to accept compliments, so. right? Oh yeah. yeah. I think whether it's in from your looks or from your career or, your or whatever you're cooking. <laughs> it is. It actually is, it isn't is. it? Like, um, yeah. it's part of the cultural politeness to right. deny compliments. If someone exactly. says something nice about you, you say, "Oh no, 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 yeah. no, no." Right. Right. Actually, there's a prominent scene in the Jolla Club where Waverly is bringing her new boyfriend to meet her mom and her mom made this amazing feast and she's known for this feast but the asian way of like not taking compliments come to play in the scene because yeah. as her mom presents the meal she's like oh this is nothing oh this is just an everyday type of thing yeah. but knowing deep down she put in hours of work to this right. meal and so her boyfriend at the time wasn't 
Asian. He was Caucasian. So he was like, okay, he took it as at face value. I was like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. You need a little bit of salt and put salt. They put on, soy sauce or was yeah. salt, soy sauce, right? Soy sauce yeah. on it, and you could tell the the mother was mortified. Right. But you knew when she was saying that she meant it as I worked hard. This is yeah. something I care about. Right. But right, she doesn't right. present it that way. Right. That is again not uh, owning up to your accomplishments or yeah. not sort of rewarding yeah. yourself for what you're capable of doing. Yeah. I think also like proves the point that imposter syndrome isn't something that's like a consistent thing, yeah. right? That it comes mm-hmm. in and out. So you might feel imposter syndrome at your job or with your friends or with someone you're dating. Mm-hmm. It's normal that you'll have some days where you feel that and some days where you don't. Mm-hmm. But even just like talking about it, I think that that is, that helps alleviate, right? Like mm-hmm. that you, that it's normal to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. It also feels like I'm like digging into my psyche or my like deep down, like why do I feel this way? Like finding the reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a, out loud therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> I think even having this term that this is an okay thing that mm-hmm. people do go through this mm-hmm. is something that does sort of just normalize a conversation. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay to feel like you don't deserve to be where you are, but mm-hmm. you fully do because yes. you are there and mm-hmm. you got there through your own merit. Yes. So props to you, wherever you are yeah. right now <laughs> in this world, listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of ABG and the topic of imposter syndrome. I don't know about you ladies, but for me, this is really therapeutic to talk about it because I feel like this is actually something we don't only talk about out loud. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I was able to dive really deep into why I feel this way sometimes. So we encourage you guys to also do this with your friends. Yes. And maybe some of your coworkers, if that would help you with your professional career. Uh, If you guys have any stories you guys want to share, please email us at asianbossgirl at gmail.com. I think what's interesting as a takeaway is like the whole phrase of fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more like fake it, talk about it, tell people about how you're feeling, and then make it together. (laughs) Build up that community. We are also all over social media. Our handle is at Asian Boss Girl. You can find us on all the podcasting platforms such as iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. We love those. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.